Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. In this episode, we circle back to a topic that we talk about a lot, enlightenment. We do give the Buddhist ideology, but we also go into detail about the practice of shamanism and its correlates to other traditions, how they influence our lives, and how we can be drawn towards one path or another. Additionally, we discuss the four main aspects of the transcendent form, the natural state, the wisdom state, the enjoyment state, and the emanating state. This was a fascinating conversation to be a part of. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey, fellow GNTers, those of us like our spirituality with a twist. So we're uh, back kind of revisiting a final episode on a subject we had talked about. Kind of we like to do our little series. So we had done this series just on the whole, what exactly is enlightenment anyways? We took this kind of Buddhist attitude and we looked at a lot of kind of what I thought were really deep, important kind of Buddhist takes on this question. And we had gotten to the point where we were talking about the Dalai Lama a little bit, but kind of the whole way they talk about uh, uh enlightenment sort of from that perspective from that school of thought from that tibetan vantage point and um i wanted to say a couple last things about it and daniel was nice enough to agree <laughs> so we can go back a little bit and like maybe talk a little bit about this this sense of this um the big thing for me with it first daniel was just something like maybe we'll just say a little bit this idea of meditating on the enlightened form i think the thing that really kind of blew my head open from the Dalai Lama directly was when he was talking about what meditation is he was talking about meditation is like you're meditating on what enlightenment is in a certain sense you're kind of like practicing it or rehearsing it in your mind um becoming acquainted acquainted with it or something teaching your mind and then you know maybe even the more transcendent parts of you we, we like to use the word shen nice Chinese medical word spirit kind of teaching those parts of you like what it is you're kind of helping yourself to do that and so i mean i think that was one of the big for me with just just hearing him say that made me think even differently of what i even thought meditation meant and what i thought what i thought i was trying to do anyways i'll throw it back to you <laughs> yeah zen uh the that author that you know we've read a couple books on uh brad warner you know, right. who's a Zen yeah. Buddhist, he, he talks about that too, you know, that his teacher told him that like the Zen form of meditation and maybe all forms of meditation, I can't, I don't want to be so inclusive, but you know, something like this mm -hmm. is a, pra is, is practicing in that enlightened state. It's a dress rehearsal. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not aiming. Did his teacher actually say that? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He said, you're not aiming anywhere. You are being it. 
You're not, mm-hmm. maybe you're not quote unquote enlightened in that moment, but you are, be, but you are, that's the, that's the, that's the takeaway. You're that, that's it. This is, that's, that is enlightenment is, is in that, is in the practice is in re- repeating it and having it be, be step like in the shamanic practice, you might have um, some helper spirit that you're acquainted with. Okay. And in that realm, what will, what will occur is that you will, you will merge with this thing. So let's say you have a, a, a bear that you work, that you do some, you know, and Native Americans talk a lot about these animal spirits that they animal do work spirits, with, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and then you will, what they call merge with this bear, right? And you will become one, you will be bear, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll look at your hands, you'll have claws and you'll feel like bear, you'll be, you're well, you. Like, the, the bear is like symbolic of something else though, right? A certain quality of energy in the universe and nature. And like, it is it's like, not just like the bear, it's like, right. That but it's not represents something, you know, even beyond that or something, right? For sure. It's a manifestation mm-hmm. of a particular signature of energy as everything is right. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not just a bear. It's they'll never say it singularly. They'll say yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, bear. So mm-hmm. every, right. You know what I'm saying? So in that way you merge with this bear and, and whatever that bear is, is representing for you in your life or wh- whatever it does for you, if it's a healing, usually it's, it's a healer. Then you merge with that bear. And now you have, all of those healing abilities access to you because you two are becoming one. There's a union that occurs, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the way that I look at this is like with this enlightened state or this enlightenment being that is latent within all of us or latent or we're sleeping and that's awake. I don't know, what, whatever, something's happening. But that you take this opportunity and merge with the enlightened, with, with enlightenment. You merge with the, the enlightened being, the infinite, whatever, however you want to look at it, you know? And that's the practice. I got like two things that I like... Uh... I'll follow up with you on that maybe one would be we're going to talk about the idea of a yidam which are these enlightenment images and to mm-hmm. me this idea of bear and yidam is like okay that's kind of the same concept to me somehow right mm-hmm. you know um so if you look at like tibetan buddhist art obviously going back to india you know in its roots they'll show like these figures that look all extraordinary you know yeah. all the arms and the heads and the eyes and the this and the that potentially some of them look really simple they have a variety of ways they look right yeah but you know they're 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 magical looking beings right but like you know when you tap into that you're tapping into those qualities the same way if you were tapping into bear or Mm -hmm. hawk or eagle or fox or wolf or whatever it is right that's part of what the practice is about right the yidam thing seems very similar to me Mm -hmm. right i you probably think that way too yes yeah the other part that i would just ask and this is just a question of like curiosity because one of the things I think that happens when you think about like what you're going to connect with in, um, you know, like you're going to choose a practice to meditate on. So say you're like, someone's listening. They're like, okay, I want to do this Tibetan thing. I'm listening to this podcast. I'm into it. <laughs> Let me try it. Like a cool. So then one of the things that will happen is sometimes it's just luck of the draw. The practice that becomes available to you is the one that becomes available, you know? And then you also say, well, there's probably some meaning to that. Right. Like when we went out to Ann Arbor to do the thing with Gallic Rinpoche, the first time you were out there, right? Um, there was sort of a question of what the practices were exactly going to be that were going to be introduced. Right. They didn't. Yeah. You went. Yeah. You went to this thing, and they didn't tell you what was going to happen. You just went there, the, and that was it. What was the one was obvious. The other one they actually changed. You know, and when I was when we were there, there was sort of a funny thing of like even in like on some intuitive level, it was like, okay, he changed this for some reason. You know, the one part was sort of more like a feminine wisdom energy figure has a lot to do with like 
probably sexuality, desire, you know, using of those energies. And usually you do an introductory practice to that, which is the same one the Dalai Lama did this past year. And you do those as kind of a set, but he didn't do it. <laughs> he flipped. And he did one that actually spoke to you. Yeah. Really deeply. And I was he did like, it for oh, me. How auspicious. And it was like, he did it for Daniel. Uh-huh. <laughs> but who knows? He probably did it for a lot of people. But anyways, you know, there was this thing, you know, um, and it isn't that crazy of a thing to say. When I was out there, I did the meditation retreat on the one that you vibe with, which is this very strong, powerful figure called Yamantaka. And um, and I think we even talked about this maybe last episode or something. But anyway, so this is one of the ones that really vibes with you. And um, when I was out there doing the retreat on that, because I did do that out in uh, Ann Arbor, I did the whole mantra retreat. You say hundreds of thousands of these things or uh, whatever, a lot. <laughs> and um, it was a great time. And uh, as I was like hurrying to finish <laughs> for the end of the retreat, this is my mantra movement. I'm not like doing Pez or something, <laughs> playing a video game. I was actually concentrating on these mantras. And uh, uh, one of the ladies walked past and like he was giving some extra time. And she said, uh, oh, he's doing this for you. And I was like, I doubt it. <laughs> not just for me. Everyone's mantraing away. But it was nice that she said it. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah, it was nice that she said it. And it like you can get the feeling that a, a great teacher is like figuring out ways to connect to the students that are going to be there. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I, I brought it all up because there is this question of like, if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, I'm getting into this. This sounds cool. Maybe this speaks to you. you think, okay, what am I going to do? Sometimes it's just things will appear like that and they'll be Correct. appropriate. Sometimes um, it's more like uh, you're drawn to something that speaks to you. Like I was kind of drawn to certain of these, these items. I was like, oh, this vibes with me, you know? So um, doubling back to the, the idea of bear or this, mm-hmm. When we've talked about this before, obviously part of this, the way you've talked about it, certainly comes from the idea of like, there's just some uh, intuitive connection the person feels with this particular spirit animal or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it just appears, right? So within your frame. But I'm also wondering, like, why do you think people are drawn to one or the other? You know what I mean? That was, well, that, 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 maybe I'll get the Buddhist take on it then when I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask the same question. I, I In the shamanic sense, I can't say, I can't say why certain people are drawn to certain things. Now, truth be told, I don't have um, all of people's like astrological information to maybe to look at how that might work. I don't know if that really matters, though. I mean, I'm sure it, it all matters, but like, I don't know if it's, you know, you're like, oh, you're a fire sign. So more water creatures will come to you or like, I, I don't know that that's a, I don't know that it's the thing. It However, might be interesting, but it's going to happen that way anyway. So it's like kind of like, a, okay, that's cool that we found out maybe some reasons why, but this is how it happened anyways, right? Exactly. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. And so, but the, the, I think the difference is in the journeying space, in that particular meditative space, it comes to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. maybe you're being drawn towards it and then it comes forth, but like generally you're doing your thing and then I saw a face of an owl and then I went back in and there it was. And we had this communication and this relationship. So it's being drawn. There's a synergy there, but Mm -hmm. you're putting yourself in its zone to be called to. And I think that's the difference that like in normal life, you have to pay attention to your surroundings and be open to your surroundings speaking to you, because if not, then you won't hear that subtle call. You know, you'll never, you'll miss it. You, it'll, it'll be part of something. However, if you are paying attention, then it definitely, I believe, 
will speak to you and will find you because it has infinite ways of manifesting itself in order to connect with you. You just have to be willing to like take the leap and go do it in your normal waking state. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you're basically saying then then there's a, like a kind of an altered state where you're going to be receptive to things that you wouldn't normally be in your waking yes. state. That's the, yeah. Yes. I feel like with some of this, excuse me, I feel like with some of this, what happened for me was I definitely felt connection to sort of like certain kinds of like goddess energy vibes. And we've done podcast episodes even around some of those questions around that. And so I was drawn to that. And sometimes even in my, I'd be driving in the car, like driving down like uh, 290, which is one of the terrible expressways in Chicago, like it's stuck every single fucking second on that thing. So the fact that you're moving a doll is a miracle. But um, yeah, congrats. You know, <laughs> I'd be driving down that thing and I would sometimes like look in the sky and I would feel like there's some kind of feminine divine presence up here. You know, it's like an old song from the talking heads that I would think about, too, where it's like talks about the world moving on a woman's hips and like she's moving and all of space is moving with her. It's a very like hypnotic song, mm. you know, now that would kind of flip through my head. And then I feel, so I felt like later on when like it, it came to be these practices were the ones that I was like, yeah, you know, that seemed very like uh, there were obviously preludes to that for me or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and obviously there's some part of me that was drawn to that. And like, just as another way this might happen, if you, you know, are you listening, you get curious. Sometimes you can like, it wasn't i wasn't thinking about doing any tibetan buddhism i was studying tcm and i was studying with my, my teacher from china but i went to the big library in chicago the harold washington library and i happened to like stumble across one of these tibetan buddhist books and i opened up to one of the you know again these enlightenment figures and i was like ooh, and i just looked at it like this really speaks to me you know it was just kind of but that's like being i guess attentive in your waking state or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. you know it took a long time for it to fully happen but i mean weirdly enough when i met lama glenn that's what he passed on to me that one and lama glenn became like you know my lama glenn mullen glenn h mullen translator buddhist teacher and uh all around amazing character mm-hmm. <laughs> um and like uh for me amazing teacher for sure like you know really so that was the one i got from him so there was a certain like apropos about that mm-hmm. but i guess like part of what i was curious about when you when you have a student and then they find like oh it's owl or whoever it is, right? Is there something like then you see? Well, I wouldn't have necessarily known that, but now I can see why it's right for that person. Is that the experience too? Once the person no, finds it? no, I, I, I think oh, it okay, tr- it's not like that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. no, it's not like that because that means that you inherently have a knowledge of all the various infinite manifestations that could be, and that you would know why that would be the case. It's actually outside of rational thinking. That's why it's even better. Because so like like post hoc you can't go oh well I wouldn't have predicted like hawk for that person but yeah now it seems like that would be a good one for them because so you here's the difference that way no 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 because the di- okay. because the the reason is is that there is not like a archetypal um, hawk or raccoon or wh- whatever mermaid that that you can go to some external source and find out oh here's its attributes here are its strengths here's its you know, hit points or some, you know, RPG. Have, it, <laughs> right. Because have some vibe to it though. Otherwise it, they'd all be the same. You no, they're, saying? they're, they're infinitely, they're, they're infinitely different. And even the way, uh-huh. and, and what makes it unique is that like, even the way in which let's say I have, I have a bear and you have bear. Well, the way mm-hmm. in which you interact with bear and the way in which I interact with bear are different because we're different people. 
and we have different work inner workings and that that being draws those inner workings out differently within us then we have a different working relationship maybe there's some similar attributes because some things are similar you and i are both healers if we have this thing this is probably going to be a healing faction between us you know so we're going to be drawn towards it just like if we're drawn towards some feminine deity in in buddhism there's going to be so that but the way in which you connect with her and the way in which i connect with her even though it's the same practice are going to be infinitely different because it's just you know this experience is far more experiential there's not like a set of uh, uh i guess guidelines to help people to get there which is why like i you know me loving the the freshness and newness of all the experience it's it's nice because it it, it leaves any form of structure other than your own dedicated time to practice outside and then you develop the relationship with whoever it is that your guide or your ally is whatever that is no one can tell you you could certainly like i have tons of students who will want to look it up online oh i found I, I'm, I have a shark i work with a shark i'm gonna look up what a shark does online i'm like then then don't come back don't th why are you coming here to be to leave what you think that you know behind to interact with this thing only to go back and look at what somebody else tells you this thing is is or isn't going to do for you you have no idea you know what i'm saying so um that's that's the kind of the main that's one of the main differences and it's really like quite I, like, nice uh, i got two kind of reactions to it one is you know we've talked about this word shunyata here and there this emptiness word and that like that is emptiness too the fact that like you know a buddhist philosophical point which is that bear doesn't have any intrinsic qualities that's for right buddy you're different the other person who connects the bear is different bear yes. is different for everyone too yes that's shunyata yes right so if you've been like you know this word pops up here and there you know you sort of figure okay when can you use this practically that's an example of that that's great but i feel like that's probably also true about like Again, like something like connecting to a certain enlightenment figure in uh, like a Tibetan or Indian Buddhist world within that tantric world, because mm -hmm. like they're going to mean different things to different people. Yeah. Right. Like the way I'm going to connect to Tara may not be the same. Someone else is going to connect with Tara. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the same for them. It's going to mean something different for me. And mm -hmm. their Tara will not probably be exactly my Tara. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is, and I do get what you're saying, one of the things that can happen, especially if you start going down this Tibetan world, is you can feel like, well, this is so structured, right? Yes. That where's the room for my creative involvement yeah. with this process? So yeah. I, I think it's a perfectly fair thing to bring up, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of that tradition obviously has come from like um, people within monastic settings, nuns, monks, preserving these things, wanting to keep these things alive in yes. some authentic way. On the one hand, of course, that's very cool because you get that feeling of like authenticity from it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I've heard people talk about like flamenco. I play guitar, my little flamenco grass, grass, grass grotto. <laughs> uh, but anyways, you know, I play guitar and like I've, uh, um, Paco Pena was talking about this, one of the great flamenco players. And he was like, well, you know, when you play this music, you can feel all of that energy coming into it, you know, that authenticity of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but he also made the point that you could still be creative within it, you know? And he was mentioning another great guitar player in flamenco is Paco de la Chia, who's a little bit more out there. But he, he still has the root, you know? And I thought about that kind of stuff a lot. I'm using a musical example of this, right? But I agree with you, because I think in the end, you have to feel your own creative involvement with Tara or Yamantaka or 
Kala Chakra or, you know, Vajrayani yeah. or any of these uh, enlightenment images that you might feel a connection to because your relationship with them is going to have to be personal. Mm-hmm. And then I guess one of the things I've, I've gotten more confident in doing this podcast over time is just say like, yeah, let's be, let's, okay, we're Western people. Let's be personal with this too. Let's learn the stuff that people are teaching, but let's be personal, which is what, what we try to do here. Mm. <laughs> we're trying to say like, this is what this feels personally, right? Not just nah, 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 paying not just like, and I don't want to mock it. I'm not being pejorative in any way, but not right. just, you know, we can't just reiterate what great people have done in the past. Correct. Correct. We have to be able to like, to keep this alive, right? Vital. We have to be able to do this in our own ways now, which means that, you know, like same way you were talking about with bear or shark or whatever the example yeah. is, it's going to have to be personal. Yes. Right. And some of that's going to have to be a creative endeavor to feel that, that, that personal thing. And if it gets too much, of the okay, I'm just taking on just the tradition thing, then it's going to be smushing, mm-hmm. right? It's going mm-hmm. to feel smushing and burdensome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or limiting, or or maybe even like a flat, you know? Yeah, it won't feel alive to you, right? That's correct. Yeah, it won't feel alive. Well, I've had that thought of this, you know. So I'm just throwing it out there, you know. No matter what you do, you're doing Zen, you're doing this, you're doing that. I, you know, we've talked about it in our personal conversations about these things. There has to be room for some creative part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, which isn't like your ego being like uh, snarky or something. <laughs> no, if I had less ego, I would like you know because what happens in the end is people start to feel flat because the practice doesn't feel like their own. You know, what I mean, it doesn't speak to them. It isn't like activating their own harsh spirit. It isn't acting their own enthusiasm. You should feel something with it. You know. Mm-hmm. I think Lama Glenn, as a teacher for me, was a great person for that because he left that space. Right, but I think Gellert Rinpoche was a great teacher for me too because he did leave space. You could talk with him about, but he also mentioned wanted to make sure that you had the authentic vibe. So I ended up with these kind of two people doing this thing. Well, this is an interesting conversation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you don't always know where this is going to go, but this is good. On that thing, Lama Glenn had part one of his books there where he was just saying like, "Okay, you know, you don't have to read every Tibetan word. <laughs> that's fine. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know? yes, that's right. You don't have to do that." It's fine, you know, and he had one of his Mongolian teachers who said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can chant every single word in the meditation text or something like that and do it like fill in the fill in the blank numbered paintings and connecting the dots and all that in some kind of rote way. But he was like, no, you should really just memorize it in your mind mm. and then just see it in your own mind, you know, and I was like, oh, hallelujah. Right. That's what I want to do. I want to like see it through my own mind and then right. make that connection in that way. And that will make you feel alive and the spirit will grow. We're pretty, we're pretty deep today. Yes. The spirit <laughs> will grow. Right. Okay. We're trying. We're, we're trying. trying. We're trying. Um, okay. So on this Dalai Lama thing, then the one thing that they do, which is kind of like what it means to sort of um, rehearse on this thing is it has a lot to do with sort of like the structure of a person. Mm. about living thing and it has a lot to do with the idea of um of even like the things in the tibetan book of the dead which we've done episodes on the tibetan book of the bard or the between so um it kind of like divides people up on kind of like four levels or divides this enlightenment state up into four levels and then i guess the shamanic take would be interested in this too the first thing is this idea that everybody has kind of like this buddha nature quality Every living thing has this. And it is just kind of naturally there. They sometimes use the word clear light mind for this in the Dalai Lama world, because I think that's the experience of it. Clear light 
probably formless would fit in here in some way you know it makes sense even from a reincarnation point of view because like if your true form was just like eric if my true form was that then i'd just always be eric forever right <laughs> but i'm not gonna be and even eric isn't eric the same way all the time eric is a changey thing mm-hmm. shunyata but anyways you know this this whole buddhist philosophy idea so anyway, so that's part of it. And when that gets fully activated, they call, you know, when you read the Dalai Lama or something, that will be called the nature body, kind of meaning it's naturally there. You know, it's the natural Buddha nature essence of a person. Um, and I kind of, I looked at what the Dalai Lama was talking about this and, you know, I wanted to try to capture some of his words with this. So in a certain sense, it's kind of like a discovered thing that in your meditative practice, you discover, holy shit, I got this thing. Who knew? And that I guess I feel like I had obviously those kinds of experiences starting doing Zen and then continuing on. You realize there's some other part of yourself. And I think a lot of people, when you meditate, you'll find this part of yourself, which is, I think what we were trying to say before, which is why this is good, even if you're not like enlightened now, because you're still tapping into those parts of yourself and it's going to make your life better in the immediate too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we agree on that part too, but Mm -hmm. it takes a bit for that idea to click. I'm not just rehearsing some hypothetical thing for the future i'm actually changing myself now by doing this it's going to make my life different now yeah so anyways you can find this part of yourself and i think in a way the idea is that it's kind of a little bit obstructed this is a big deal obviously in the asian spiritual world things are a little bit obstructed you have to like it's there but you have to kind of uncover it so you can uncover it and discover this thing and in that sense it's kind of um naturally i think in the dalai lama he'd use the word maybe like pure or naturally there, waiting to be discovered it's kind of a core of who you are mm. but it's also kind of in the process of being kind of like cleaned up through your practice you're just going to like unobstruct it more and more and more and so they call this idea like the nature aspect the nature body aspect of enlightenment they like to use the word body but it's probably like different aspects or something of a person mm-hmm. right so that's the nature body part. And I guess when you're when you're in your meditation and you want to make this like a rehearsal, like we were talking about earlier, well, then you try to imagine going back to this place. But I mean, the whole idea is you're, you're imagining going back to a place that actually exists. <laughs> right. You know, so you're kind of getting a more and more clear view of something that is there already, you know, even if you're not fully feeling the full flower and force of it. And then the next idea is this idea of, you got anything on that one you want to add, Daniel? What's the shamanic aspect of that? Like, how is that talked about? That Uh, piece. Let's go through all the other ones and then I'll I'll kind of circle back. Okay, circle back. Okay. Also also time too. Okay. So then there's this idea of the wisdom truth body. Um, And this is, so here's how the Dalai Lama describes it. He says, it's the experience or state of directly perceiving all modes and varieties of objects of knowledge as if they were directly in front of you, Hmm. which seems cool (laughs) to have that. Uh, Obviously at this place, at this point, you're kind of like imagining this in a way, right? And you're trying to develop some intuitive sense of what this would mean. This obviously includes, you know, when you talk about kind of ideas of like space, in this nature body and in this wisdom body, they're, you don't, they're not bound by space in the same way, you know? I was talking, thinking about this this week, talking with somebody close to me about this, very close person to me about this, because, you know, you can have that feeling of another person, even if they're like far away. Mm-hmm. It could be on the other side of the city. They could be on, you know, maybe even the other side of the country, you know, but you could still feel them. 
And you kind of like, well, what's happening there? You know, and it's part of this idea that these most subtle parts of who we are are not bound by space in the same way. You know, they're not bound by time in the same way, right? And you can even have that subjective experience within yourself. I think a lot of us have had that, right? There's someone you really love and care about and you're like, you feel them, right? Sometimes you can even know like what they're doing, right? It happens, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, oh, they're doing this now or they're doing that now. You kind of know, right? How do you know? It's because, you know, there's a part of you that is like, not as confined by just being in this particular space where you right. are now. Part of you is, you know, um, uh, but, you know, part of you is not that. So, so it has that idea. It also has this idea of like interconnectivity, right? This idea mm. that you know, you're entwined with everything. Um, sometimes there's this metaphor of this thing called Indra's net. Indra's one of like the old uh, Indian deities, but the idea that all of reality is this huge net of interconnected beads. Yeah, you know, we did a we did we did an episode on that one. We called yeah, yeah. it Indra's network. Are <laughs> <laughs> we talking about like uh, social media too? No, oh, we didn't do it there. Oh, you just did it because it's a great riff on network. Yes, 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 yes. Because that yeah, makes Indra's more sense than a net, because a net is inherently finite. Not Indra's. Not Indra's. <laughs> Indra's but... keeps, keeps going, I guess, right? But all yeah. other ones. Yeah. Yeah, the Indra network. Great, great. So um, so the idea like all the beads reflect one another or something, mm -hmm. you know, there's this whole idea of this. Or sometimes I'll describe it like a crystal. This comes up in like uh, this thing called Dzogchen practice in Tibet, um, uh, the great perfection. We talked a little bit about that too, but we haven't done a ton of that. But I sometimes imagine like a crystal and the crystal reflects everything, you know, it's like kind of mm -hmm. has an infinite reflective quality. So this kind of like interconnectivity part probably comes up here. Probably the first part, the nature thing seems to be like more formless, clear or something like that. And this more has this idea of interconnectivity because that's how you would know how to directly perceive all modes and varieties of objects right. of knowledge as if they were directly in front of you. <laughs> that's what he's trying to say there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, the question is, uh, Oh, I, you know, we did, a, I wanted to just mention this because we did episodes on the physics of things too. And this is kind of like entanglement, right? Mm. Uh, you know, in physics, things entangle. Particles can be on opposite ends of the universe and still like affect one another. Defying laws of space and time. Um, as a sidebar point, this this idea really bothers my son. I explained it to him. He's perpetually like, I don't understand. There's no signal. How could it possibly be? And I'm like, mm -hmm. you're a very clever boy. <laughs> but that is the question that bothered Einstein too. Um, anyways, we've done stuff talking about this. I'm sure we'll do other physics episodes in the future. But um, anyways, this is this entanglement thing. So things are like entangled if that helps you too, to think of the physics of it. Sometimes it helps. Mm -hmm. And Daniel and I both love physics. So, you know, we love those things too. Uh, so how do you meditate on this? And um, I think it's, again, this idea of imagining um, uh, consciousness, imagining uh, the mind, the spirit, the Shen. It's kind of like occupying all of this space and feeling this interconnectivity with everything. That's the meditation. Okay, so those are the two higher ones. And there's kind of two that are considered like a little bit more yin to the yang. If yang is more subtle, this is the more yin parts. And I usually will say that like these two aspects of enlightenment that you're kind of trying to visualize for yourself there are the ones that will really benefit more you, right? These other ones are more like how you project yourself out to be a benefit for other people. But there's of course a joy obviously and a bliss and being like, con like connected with others and helping others, right? So the next level of this in Dalai Lama speak is called the complete enjoyment body. 
And this is the, the tantric Buddhist meditation of appearing in some subtle enlightened form. This is a big deal in Buddhist tantras, you know, to imagine this too. So you imagine yourself as this kind of formless, spaceless thing. But then you also try to imagine yourself as some enlightened, subtle form. And this is going to be different, like in different Buddhist approaches, different tantric approaches. You know, you meditate on this in different ways. And again, it's kind of what you were bringing up earlier, Daniel. There's ways of visualizing it. And you have to find your own connection to it. But there are visualizations kind of recommended there. And sometimes it might just like seeing yourself as like, you know, Mandrashri, the Buddha of wisdom. And Mandrashri you know, has a sword and carries a book. And you might just see yourself that way, radiating out wisdom to everybody, imagining yourself doing that. You know, you're using your imaginative faculty in this. And sometimes there'll be other things. You know, it depends on like kind of the, the details of the practice, what they're going to ask you to do. Might be different visualizations a little bit and different steps in the visualization or something. But the main thing in the end is you imagine yourself as this subtle being or this subtle aspect of yourself radiating out to everyone again. And you're kind of like trying to flood everywhere with uh, what might be like described as your healing mojo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just going everywhere, trying to transform everything. So that ends up being kind of the meaning, I guess, in this of like the tantric divine figure or something. It's it's you now. It's not separate from you, though there might be a separate Tara energy or something. But now you're Tara or you're whoever it is, and you're radiating this out everywhere. And um, then the Dalai Lama talks about this whole thing of like how you try to imagine this for yourself. You imagine yourself as this subtle energetic tantric being with this subtle body in a transformed world or a world that you're transforming, projecting out enlightenment teachings to everybody, trying to reach out to help everyone. You're doing this without interruption. You're just doing this incessantly until everybody gets it. And um, the idea is that you look like in a certain sense, trying to like radiate out so people can feel this and connect to this. In the very beginning, we talked about the idea of enlightenment. You know, it can be high, really big concepts in the beginning of this whole series back when we started, or it might be, <clears throat> you know, different ways that you can think about this, but this is obviously a pretty high vision of what enlightenment is, right? Mm -hmm. You're there with all these different aspects of who you are on all these different levels. But the thing that got me that I wanted to make sure we talked about was like on an everyday level, you just do this every day and it's transformative for you, right? It transforms your sense maybe of who you are. It connects you maybe into different levels of who you are which is a pretty powerful idea. And so you can kind of feel like it's happening like in the here and the now, right? It doesn't have to be uh, just something that you're imagining something in the future. It's also going to transform what your life is like in the moment. Because when you leave that, you'll carry the remnant of those feelings in you. Even when you're going around doing your everyday stuff that everybody has to do, you can still carry this feeling or you can start to try to reconnect into it. Right. So this is called the enjoyment body. Well, probably deserves to do a separate episode just on Carl Jung and this, because Carl Jung was kind of fascinated by these ideas, the great psychologist. And, you know, you had brought up the idea of the archetypes earlier. What's the archetype of bear? Well, maybe there really isn't one. You know, bear means different things to different people. But Jung was interested in this whole idea of like archetypes. And so maybe that's a worthwhile episode for us to do. Right? Sure. We'll do something on Jung. We haven't done it. But to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll like, get your semantic response. The last part of this is this thing called the emanation body. Uh, and the idea of the emanation body is probably even a more, uh, you know, coarse or dense or, again, maybe yin to the yang way. If yang is more subtle, this is more 
dense in, in the world, but you also imagine just yourself in a day-to-day level appearing as this divine uh, figure too. And you could kind of do this meditation in your day-to-day life. In like the Tibetan book of the dead, the Tibetan book talking about reincarnation, these are all kind of things that have connect back to that because we come from the more subtle parts of who we are. And then I appear as Eric and you appear as Daniel and we all appear who we are, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it's kind of related to that idea. Now we're in, the, I'm emanating as Eric for now, right? But in my mind, I can also feel like I'm emanating as Tara or I'm emanating as Yamataka or I'm emanating as Kala Chakra or any of these things. I can like, kind of part of me can still visualize myself, even though I know I'm Eric. I can still like visualize I'm carrying that energy of Tara or carrying that energy. And this is, I guess, like the most dense part of this, but this is probably even what you carry into your everyday world. Because part of the feeling then is like, as you go through your daily life, you can take a little part of yourself and say, no, I can still visualize myself as Tara, even though I'm walking around as Eric. (laughs) And I can still give those Tara vibes. And it helps your life. It feels good, you know? And, you know, in this kind of imagination that you're doing, right, you can also imagine other people are Tara too. And you're kind of like a whole bunch of Taras talking to one another, you know, in this world that we exist in. So underneath the surface, even though we are all walking around as who we are, underneath it, we're carrying this Tara thing or whoever you like, you know, whoever speaks to you, right? That's the, that's the spirit that you'll connect with, you know, if you want to use the shamanic analogy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think this is how Buddha has talked about Buddha Shakyamuni, the historical figure when the Dalai Lama talks about this. <laughs> the dog likes it. Uh, the dog is a Buddha Shakyamuni fan. So, uh, so anyways, you know, like uh, Buddha is emanating this, like what they call it, a supreme emanation of enlightenment that's going to affect a lot of people. But I mean, to put the capper on the whole thing is we're going to promise to do this. It's a fun subject because there's also this idea of like different kinds of ways that you look, not just like a teacher, but you might be like what they call artisan emanation bodies. So you might like emanate in your mind, like you're the one that you connect to is very musical. So you're, you emanate as a musical figure or you emanate as, you know, well, different versions of this, right? You know, you can take on whatever quality speaks to you and this can be kind of how you do your visualization of yourself. So, um, you know, that's the idea of it. So then when you kind of go through and you do this whole thing, as the Dalai Lama is saying, it's kind of a rehearsal process that you're kind of imagining in your meditation when you're on your own, these different layers of who you are different tantric practices will present this in different ways right but you know you can vibe along with that and make your own connections to whatever that practice is and then you can also carry this out into your life and it's kind of a rehearsal process but it's also the thing that you use to kind of transform your everyday experience of yourself and i i don't know my experience of this has been uh you know every meditation thing i've done has worked in its own way but i feel like this one has worked in this way too it has changed my experience of my world you mentioned this last week. We got about five minutes or less. Um, but you mentioned this last week with one of the practices I think that you said your Zen teacher gave to you was to sort of at the end of your night, of every night, to reflect back on the day and think about all the good things that you that did. That was uh, Master Shengli Wang, just to give him his props. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah Taoist, Chinese medical teacher. Mm-hmm. But so what that, you know, so I've been doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what that does from my perspective is it makes me a focus on the the work that efforts that I put out to help others or whatever, but on the days where that's more difficult, 
I sort of have like this instantaneous resolve to make it easier the next night when I go back and look back at what I did. I want to be able to think back more about the positive things. So that means that from the moment I wake up, I have to, I start building that credit moving forward. You know, you start building that energy going that I way. I start so building that energy you're moving. Like, okay, I, this was a good day for me. I did the things I can go to bed with like, yeah. And so as you, as you kind of go through these practices or, you know, whatever it is that one's doing, but you're, you're preparing to do that thing where you're going to eventually look back and, and try and embody the things that, you know, we all believe to be positive enlightenment qualities, you know, mm-hmm. but you practice them in this way. And then they sort of resonate then throughout the rest of the days and whatever it is that you're end up doing. And so in a sense, you are the the action is the practice and the practice seeds the action, you know, in my, in my sort of take of it. And it's a worth, it, it's a, it's a worthwhile experiment because even if it's wrong, let's just say all of it's garbage and it's totally made up and you know, whatever we're all drinking. <laughs> right. Let's well, just say is, uh, Bob, Bobby T Robert Thurman has this conversation too. At some point I was thinking about right. this afternoon too. Hence I'm smiling. Cause like this argument's out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's just say it's wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and truthfully, we'll only know when we're far closer to the veil than we are right now, you know? Okay. It's wrong. So you don't do it. Well, what's the consequence of that? The consequence of that is that you're, you know, if we just take some Western, you know, physiological studies on the benefits of meditation and whatever, you're probably more irritable. Your blood pressure is probably more higher. Your telomeres are probably a little bit shorter. You recover less, less efficiently. All right, that's fine. Uh, Or if you do it, then, then what? Well, you're more patient. You're happier. You're more creative. Your connection to your own physical being and the network around you with human beings and otherwise is strengthened. So... What's the, where's the negative, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, um, uh, yeah, there's an old kind of like philosophical argument about this kind of stuff. Like why not take a tumble on something that will give you a lot of benefit even if you don't know it's entirely true. <laughs> and there's, there's a balance. It's a good place to start. But like, to me, when I started doing Zen, it was like, well, I can't believe all of this. That would just be fake, but I can do stuff and try it out and see if it changes me for the better. I think that's the pitch. Yeah. The that's the pitch. Right. Yeah, there's there's this idea like you talked about earlier about like the structure being in place on things. You don't want to feel like, oh, I I have to do this because I'm not good, and I want to you know. There's like this drive of like self improvement, which is in, in, is a good. About that one. last week, you don't want to do stuff just like okay, I feel, I feel shitty about myself, and so yes. you know, I'm yes. gonna like make some New Year's resolutions so I don't feel like such a like a asshat. That's and not so, that great. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you have to hold yeah. these kind of like, you know, as as practitioners, we do this, right? Where we have these two competing thoughts as in like the person who was in front of me that I'm interacting with is completely whole. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just here sharing. But then also they, yeah, have these other things that are going on. They have a rash and they have a cough, you know? And so I have to work on that, but it doesn't diminish from their shine or whatever the case is. And so I think we have to take this kind of same approach in that like, Yes, I'm trying to make improvements, but also I am as improved in this moment as I ever have been. And I should be able to say that every day. So I think like, yeah, I mean, we're getting to the end of this episode, obviously, but you know, the capper for me is something like, say when you're doing this last part of this, you're, you're imagining yourself in the world, you know, as Tara or Yamantaka or whoever you love, bear or whatever you like, right? then um, 
you also you're imagining yourself as like part of this big mandala of what reality is right you're connecting to this thing right and you you feel this this kind of connection and the big thing in the end and this is like the thing within the tantras and one of the main problems they say for people is they just think like we, we can get in this problem of we think too small we think too small of who we are right we think too mundane about ourselves and they use this word like this phrase overcoming mundane appearances and conceptions so you make this fantastical you know uh image of yourself right and on some level you can kind of feel like yeah this is this is imagination in part right i'm doing an imaginative thing a creative imaginative act but it's also trying to get me to like transcend a little bit what mm -hmm. are like sometimes what we could feel are the limitations of things around us and even when we get to the point of view i teach this class on physics kind of every couple of semesters for tcm students and even when you get to the physics of it, like the universe is amazing. It's like, it doesn't look like the way we see it through our own little right. doors where we're just taking care of our daily activities. It's much right. more amazing than that. Yeah. So like part of this is also tapping into the amazing part. Mm. And, you know, from what you're saying, if you go to sleep and you imagine yourself in this fully fantastical way, you go to sleep in that state. And that's what they ask you to do. And then in the morning, there's more to it, but, you know, different episode. But in the morning, you wake up and you imagine yourself this way too. And it helps you to overcome the limiting things some of those would be like just how we see and experience the world at a sensory level but some of it would be what you're talking about before like the negative feelings we have about ourselves because we're too hard on ourselves mm -hmm. right or the negative feelings we have about ourselves because we don't see like what our full potential really is this is what these things are trying to shake up in you you know so you can go a little deeper and like through this imaginative act start to like pull down some of that stuff and, and it's a creative activity it's imagination right mm -hmm. and it's called creation stage you know, sometimes because you're creating it with your imagination, right? Yeah. But, uh, it's supposed to like shake this stuff up so you can overcome these limited feelings of who you are. And then from a shamanic or Buddhist point of view, if you can do that, then what's actually there is a lot more amazing. Yeah. And well, and that place. and that yeah, and well, and the other part is that it helps with it helps you to transcend the limited view of yourself. That's right. Yeah, I agree with you totally. You know. And they well, say Eric, it that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Eric, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Thanks you for know, letting, like doing this one last episode. I thought it was of course, it's all it's, it's always the whole series. Yeah, no, it's all yeah. good. Um, yeah, everybody who's watching on the on the YouTube or listening to us on whatever platform you're checking us out on, you know, hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, what's up to our international audience? We haven't said hi in a while. Hello, hello. Where from? Wherever wherever you are. Um, I think they said you know maybe like ten percent in Europe somewhere. So what's up, oh. Europeans? Welcome okay. back. Um, if you're watching us on, on YouTube, you know, like comment, uh, subscribe or not, whatever. If you're listening to us on the podcast, the audio version, you know, uh, definitely the reviews on, on Apple help, they help to, you know, get the show ranked and we do appreciate it. If you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, uh, or just, you know, want to say you suck, you can do that or say you're <laughs> awesome. That can, you can also do that. Uh, give us a chance to meditate on our awesomeness when you that's, tell us that we suck. That's right. Um, you know, you can leave a comment. Practice this. You can leave a comment in the in the in the YouTube comments, or you could send us an email at ginandtantra at gmail.com. And for Eric, this is Daniel. Catch you in the next one. Peace. Together. I want you to get together.